make it, we gon' make it, we I learned the game quickly, and I don't like the rent, so when I fly now, bring my cars on the plane with me. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos, 877-37-GRIND. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. I can, I can handle locks on R&B. It's no problem. Um, also, uh, all right, all right, keep it going. Uh, look, I know we've talked a lot of um, – you know, Wimby talk and everything, which is, you know, I'm hearing through the break here that the plane, I guess he's about to touch down uh, here pretty soon at the airport. Reports are in about seven minutes. Okay. Okay. Um, let me, before we get into, because we know Brandon Miller went to to the Charlotte and then we went to with Scoot, which I've got a question here about the Scoot Henderson thing. Um, the one that I really thought, you know, because, again, I watch a lot of college basketball, but I don't scout these guys and know who's coming, especially like to do in the NFL. just never really done that. But I watch enough college basketball to know that uh, the Miami Heat, we know they just came off the finals. They were the number eight seed, went all the way. Jaime Jacquez Jr. out of UCLA, uh, to get him what they got him at number 18, Jaime Jaquez. Jaquez. He's got a sister that plays at UCLA as well, too. This right here is that's like you again. We heard it a lot through the playoffs, through the finals. The Heat culture, he fits it. This is a guy I believe that's going to come in immediately with them. It's going to give them more scoring. Um, or, you know what I consider this the next you know superstar next to Jimmy to get. Now I'm not going to go that way. But when you talk about. Um, his work ethic and his shot and his skill, he can create his own shot. He's got length, and I just think he plays with a high motor. To me, that was one of the better fits that I've seen all night from what I basically paid attention to. Not saying that there's other good, not good fits. I'm just saying that that's one based off of seeing this kid play for the last few years at UCLA and then him getting drafted by the Miami Heat. And I'm just thinking, well, you know, I can't really use the terminology the rich get richer, but it's definitely where he's going to an organization with Coach Spolster and Pat Riley. They won. They won on that. Now, in regards to the number three pick. Now, one thing I will say, because I've got some questions here on Facebook Live. Uh, Josh Medina is checking in and says, how many wins does Wimmy need to add to last year's record to have a six successful season? Well, again, I know everybody doesn't really listen to every day, Joshua, but I know we've kind of talked about this the last couple of days. And I said yesterday, actually, we kind of talked on the lines of this. In my opinion, I think Wimby off of his uh, – because, look, the NBA is better than the league he played in. It really is. Okay, that's number one. All right? You know, but I think with his skill set, with you would like to think this younger team that's gone through a lot of losses, they've had some adversity the last couple of years, they're going to be better, just the players around them. I think Wimby should be good for about 15 more wins, okay, just by having him on the court and basically his skill set. Which would bring um, the team total to 37. Uh, about 37. Still probably not good enough in the Western Conference to make the playoffs, which I'm okay with that. I know the fan base down here, and that's why I think, you know, you, you've got some, first of all, you've got some, I don't want to use the term generational Spurs fans down here, but you've got some people that are of age. Because uh, if, you, if you are the age of, um, I don't know, 23, 22, 25, 
Um, other than the last year or two seasons, you've never really seen the Spurs lose. You've always seen them win. Um, I think that, again, it's one of those situations where I'm okay with that. But I think the reason why I bring that up is because of the excitement of this, I think you're going to have some Spur fans that are still a little bit delusional and that are stuck in the DeLorean time machine or the magic hot tub time machine or whatever you want to call it. You, it's like you're automatically going to think you're reliving 97 again and 90s after driving. I'm just telling you, it's different. Now, Wimby's talking about, hey, this might happen sooner than you think. He, talk, he told Scott Van Pelt that. I mean, it's obviously he wants to win chips. And I think that has to do with because he's the game has gotten so international the way it's coverage. These young men, even overseas, they come up knowing how the NBA works and hearing these other players, and, and you're kind of more prepared and groomed for that. But to answer Josh Medina's question, um, when you say successful, how many wins does women need to add to last year's season to have a successful season? I mean, there's what I now that's the depending on Josh. Are you talking about? Because I wanted to touch on this too. Are you talking about the success of Wimby? Are you talking about the Spurs' success? Because I don't know if you can just measure the success of this team and draft just off of wins and losses next year. Okay, um, and I, I'm the biggest critic you're gonna find in town of the two one zero when it comes to Spurs. I've been like that for the last uh, two decades. I'm just telling you that I think, and this goes the leeway, Josh. That I was gonna say, be leery. Let me talk to that other group out there. Okay, that's in the desert that protect that. I've taken a glance at these rookie of the year odds. I will tell you to proceed with caution because I saw Wimby is a minus 255 for rookie of the year. I wouldn't touch that. Wouldn't touch it. Because, I mean, I think that number's inflated. I mean, and I, they had like the top four or five guys in different odds because everybody else is like plus 200, plus 300, 400. He's a minus 255. That's a heavy favorite. But to me, we don't know. The reason why that's a tricky bet and a tricky thing to go do as a future with the Spurs, because again, we've heard pop talk, we've heard the situation, but we have no idea what is going to be the plan for Wimby. We don't know if basically, um, you know, we just don't know. We don't know. I really don't. Uh, and that's why I think that, and this is a, this is also an award when we talk rookie of the year, it's also called, it's called visibility. Now I guarantee you without Wimby, Let's just say the Spurs don't get the number one pick. Let's just say they get they fell in the top five. Let's say if they got done like Detroit or five. You're talking about a team that had two or I think one or two national televised games last year or one, and that was because it was the 50th anniversary with the Alamo Dome. The year before that, they, they only had like maybe three national televised games or something. So my point is, due to the fact with Wimby, you're talking about when the schedule comes out, I'm assuming that they are going to have, and this is going to be impressive for a non-projected you know, projected playoff team, they're going to probably land, I would tell you ballpark, they're probably going to be landing at about – I would say at least probably between the 18 to 20 range of national televised games because of him. Okay. And that, that, that's something the Spurs would, I mean, first of all, when you go to the title year runs and you go to that, I mean, the Spurs have never got that many national televised games for the most part. Hell, I remember I used to run to their defense and say, damn, they used to be really the only defending NBA championship team that they would make the ass go play Christmas on the road. <laughs> okay, usually the, the it was a time under Stern's tutelage and a lot that when you won the title, you played on Christmas, or if you played on Christmas, you were the defending champ. You played at home. Spurs never really got that luxury. So my, they were either in Phoenix or whatever. So my point is, 
the guy's going to change a lot of things. But to answer that question, the, the success, either you're talking about the success of Wimby or the success of the team. I think the success of the team, just with Wimby on it, if you're talking about the growth of Hassell, Keldon Johnson, these other young men, I think, you know, if you can sit there and go from 26 wins roughly that they had and you can sit there and add close to be almost trying to get right under that 40 win, that's a successful season, even if it doesn't land you in the playoffs. It might not be what fans in this region or this city, the 210, wants to hear, but that's the reality. That's the reality. Go ahead. What's up? Some interesting prop parlays when you talk about uh, Wembenyama, you know, and, and again, whether you call his rookie year a successful based off of him or based off overall team success, okay? Uh, so there's a couple parlays here uh, where they're combined presets. Wembenyama to average 20 points per game and two blocks per game as a plus 185. I think it was like a four blocks per game in the French League last year. Uh to average 20 points per game and 10 rebounds a game, so averaging a double-double for the year, plus 200. Then you start to get a little interesting, and then they start to tie Wembenyama's personal success to the team's success. Spurs to win the Western Conference, and Wembenyama to average 10-plus rebounds per game is plus 15,000. Okay? Um... Let's get a little crazy here. Spurs to win the Western Conference and Wembenyama to uh, average 20 points per game plus 20,000. Plus 20,000 on what prop? Which one is that one? Spurs to win the Western Conference and and Wembenyama to... And then the Spurs to win the championship and Wembenyama to win Rookie of the Year plus 30,000. But look at his overall impact. Vassell pops up there for potential uh, most improved player of the year plus 7,500 because he's going to get exposure. He's going to, you know, teams are going to see him. He's going to be coming back off of an injury play. That could be some good value in that. Uh, Sohan is not mentioned in there at all um, in terms of, you know, value for that. But when you look over, I mean, look at Houston though. And Houston does find themselves in a very interesting spot adding Ime Yudoka they, I think they they killed the draft last night too. Uh, they at they, they were benefits of Whitmore's falling. Uh, you know, Whitmore falling from you know projected top five, top uh-huh. six pick all the way to number twenty. Uh, but Shangoon ends up there uh, at, at plus sixteen hundred. Yeah, I, I think the that's ridiculous with the whole championship odds. I mean, you might as well just go down sixteen oh four before you go to the airport to Vegas and throw your money out the window. Okay, it's not it's not happening. Um, that's just basically trying to get passionate sucker Spurs fans that are in Vegas to get liquored up and want to go. Oh, you know, yeah, we did it in ninety seven. Tim, yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, a lot of these young men still got milk on their tongues. Okay, but. Um, but I, the, but yeah, I love that pick with Miami. But this is another thing before we really leave the the draft thing too. After paying attention, look, you know, I remember a period where we went through with the NBA draft where the topic was because this was the point where we had a lot of uh, influx of foreign players. Okay, and I remember the topic at that time, like, okay, man, you know. Whether you want to say, and the Spurs created it, their lot they they created the stash and draft and stash situation. They were one of the first to really do that. It got very irritating. Um, I don't like talking about it because it gives me a flashback of Scola, and it's one of the worst decisions in this organization's history. There would be one extra trophy case, a trophy in the trophy case minimum. It would have changed the history. Shaq would have less rings. Kobe, rest his soul, would have less rings. It's one of the worst mistakes they've ever made in franchise history. But the point I'm trying to make is. 
we went through a period with a topic of discussion across the NBA landscape and for people like, okay, we're, we're drafting these foreign players, not the Spurs, but they do draft and stash. You get a lot of these other foreign players. And then not only that, the one and dones, the, the high school. So meaning it was looked at college basketball like, hey, what about these guys that stayed three or four years? What about this in four years? Now, in my opinion, after looking at last night, this is fast forward to a situation when you look at college basketball and you look at this G League situation and Unite and all that. How many players last night was drafted that bleed and played in the G League with the Unite or whatever? I mean, it, it's going to come to a period to where what do college players do? I mean, the, you, you're, you're correct. The NBA, in my opinion, has created and it's in the early stages. They've created a situation where there's going to be some discussions, especially if you look at where Scoot went and you look at some of these other men. It's going to be a discussion of where I might have hundreds and hundreds of recruitment letters across the country. But if I want to go play against pros, because if you're playing in the G League tonight, you're basically playing against NBA players. And, you know, basically, um, Jay Billis brought up a good point last night. Like I said, I don't believe in taking it, stealing anybody's, you know, takes. I give credit. I don't, I don't ghost write. I give credit, you know, because I hate hearing my takes across the city. But like I said, that I want my royalties. Jay Billis said, look, when you go, there's NBA scouts everywhere, okay, when you go to college. But when you play in the G League and you're playing, you have NBA eyes on you all the time, all the time. And see, one of the things that the, G, the the GMs have challenges of, such as a young GM and Brian uh, Brian uh, Knight. Did I get my man's name right? I know I'm not giving him credit probably for anything. Brian Wright. Brian Wright. I was going to say Brian McKnight. No, not him. He's doing chili commercials. Brian Wright. He's got to project, like, young GMs like that, when you look at college, you look at these young players, whether they're, you have to really draft off of what you think they're going to be three, four years later what they're going to develop into. It's a tougher job. I mean, I think it's tough as hell to scout, uh, uh, scout talent at the NFL level. It, it, but I think in NBA, it's not too easy. as well. It's not a walk in the park. But I think this G League situation, man, is it's going to have an effect on college basketball. It, you know, and, and again, we've gone through different times and periods where we've had these discussions. Well, what about the one and done? Or what's ruining college basketball? The guys that are staying four years are getting penalized. Because I remember on these shows having discussions like, well, if you stay four years, you're almost penalized for that because GMs look like, damn, why are you? You can be good enough to come to the gym. Why do you need to stay all four years? It's just a weird. But when I saw that many players coming from the G League and knowing all this, and you got a high profile like Scoot Henderson, and he gets he gets going, there's going to be some conversations in some in some households across the country over the next three, four, five years. I believe, especially coming off and looking at this draft the way it played out. What do you got? Yeah, already when you look at the way too early projections for next year and how things play out, uh, Gary Parrish of CBS Sports has another Frenchman going number one overall, uh, a, a 6'9 wing, uh, Zachary Reicher. Uh, and then the no, number two and number three overall, uh, he's got a G League Ignite guys. And then another one there in the top 10. So three more going in the top 10 this year. Uh, if I remember seeing it correct last night, the first time since, what, 2001? Since there was only one college player taken in the first you know, in the top five, because you had the Thompson uh, twins last night being pulled from you know overtime elite too. Well, I mean, it, it, I mean, we like again, it's nothing to panic over because we've had similar uh, discussions, uh, you know, before. 
but uh, you know it's one of those that is something to watch because again in sports uh, especially in the youth and you know families and when you're talking about you know parents spending money tons of money with AU basketball traveling uh, paying for personal trainers and coaches it's going to be those decisions do all right man you might got a hundred scholarships from here but for one, can you go play professionally in G League? And then basically from that point on, to get more eyes and more exposure, especially after draft like this. 877-37-GRIND. Okay, so with speaking of Scoot, Scooter Do, at number three, first thing, what does this mean for Dane? Now, and again, the one thing, not just Wimby, but when I see Scoot Henderson talk to, like, these young men are just groomed for one about the media, how to handle the media, how to answer the right way questions. Because, you know, I heard, you know, Scoot even asked, the reporter's ready to go, well, Dame Lillard, what's your thoughts about Dame? Would you want to play? Hey. And he knows that there's trade rumors going. He said, I would love to play on the side of Dame. You know, I've watched him. You know, I like the way he handles himself on the court. He goes, I like the way he is off the court. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, because he spits 15, 16 bars. You know, you know, give him a pass. But what does this mean for Portland with Dame? I told y'all yesterday, according to Brian Winhurst, Dame is like, look, man, I don't want to party apart the, uh, you know, youth movement. But also, Wojo last night reported they have turned down millions of calls to be like, yo, he's not available. He's not available. They really want to try to build around him. But what does Dame want to do? You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing Spin of the One and Twos. We'll be back. Are you ready for a real cocktail? Then crack open a great tasting Zing Zang ready to drink cocktail, like our Bloody Mary with vodka in a can. It's full strength with 9% alcohol and America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Or try our mango margarita crafted with silver tequila and real mango puree. Unlike those hard seltzers, each can is made with premium spirits and real ingredients, just like a bartender made it for you. Zing Zang, always bold, always ready. Go to zingzang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Official sponsor of the Sports Grind. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor. Are you moving grind. around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing and spinning the one and twos on this R&B Friday. All right, today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. 
All right, and we are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pillin Whiskey. Pillin Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pillin Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and a rich, complex flavor. Pillin Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and the official whiskey of the professional bull riding tour, the Velocity Tour, the PB Velocity Tour. And it is the official whiskey of the sports grind an official sponsor of the sports grind as well 877-37-GRIND all right so keeping it moving um yeah I think Dame you know it's it's going to be one of those that I think it's going to be interesting before we leave the basketball scene if the if if Dame really put, and he's been loyal I, I've been saying this uh you know but I knew there was going to be coming a time uh, where he was going to have to make a decision on where he was at with his career. And I think that, you know, from, from again, from Wojo's report last night, they have received a ton of calls, and they're making it be known he is not available. So I believe the only way Dame is not going to be playing with Scoot Anderson is that he's going to have to force his way out of Portland. And I don't think he'll have to do it that hard. I think that they're letting him know, hey, we want you here. And, you know, sometimes when you get into this thing, um, when you get into this situation – you it's a PR situation battle from the organization standpoint to the player. Like I think Portland's doing everything in their power to make it be known. Um, hey, we want them Portland nation trailblazer nation, but it is what it is. And I think the Portland fans, I've always said they've been, they're some of the most loyal fans there are in the NBA. They've been through some period of time. I mean, they went through the trail gangster area with, you know, Rasheed, Isaiah Rod of them teams. You know, they went some, some dark times. I mean, they've got one title and that's 77 year. I was born with Bill Walton. So they've been very patient, but they're also well-educated. So, I mean, could you I mean, Dame Lillard and Scoot, that would be a hell of a combination. I mean, I'd be happy for Chauncey Billups to try to figure that out, how you can go about that. But we'll see. I think Dame understands that, yeah, we're going the right way, but we could be a couple years before this team's ready for a title, and I don't know if I got a couple years. So that's the way I see that. 877-37-GRIND. All right, so keeping it moving here. Um, what else do we've got going on as we move from the any other type of trade rumors or anything? Well, first of all, where do we land on the over under? I set the the under total at three for trades in the first round of the top 15. And where did I land? Did we land on the under? We landed at two. Told you. OK, now what's interesting, though, and something that I didn't necessarily uh, project was that it was really just moving back one. So a team was just making a trade to move up one spot. So four teams were involved, but only two picks. Because well, what you did is you fell for the cheese. I mean, every year before the draft, or two days before the draft, we get hype. Oh, it's going to be explosion. This team's going to move up. This team might do that. To be honest with you, the NFL has passed the NBA when it talks about movement on draft day, in my opinion. When you talk about action or trade, there, I just, I just fell, and I thought that was the appropriate number to set. Maybe I'm in the wrong business. Maybe I need to be a line setter. Maybe I need to talk to AC about moving out to the desert. Be a bookmaker, odds maker. You have, I, I was comfortable with that because I have once felt for the cheese over the course of my career. Oh, man, there's going to be, I'm predicting there's going to be, no, it's not. It's hardly teams that stay put. And then I think it's safe to say going forward, there's more movement before draft day, leading up days before draft day, than there is actually during the draft, in my opinion, in the NBA. Um, but, however, 
um, anything else we missed in regards to uh, trade wise? Because you know, I started thinking a little bit more about that Chris Paul trade to Golden State. I had time to sleep on it. And I've come to a conclusion. This is probably more, now that I think about it, this has a lot to do with the new salary cap rules coming out. I, I think when you trade a player, and again, we know about the Jordan pool. I mean, yes, they chose, for the most part, Draymond Green over, you know, Jordan. And I understand Draymond, you think he's gone. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to come in at a lower dollar amount. But I think this was more about them trying to unload money and get out of this salary cap situation than it is pretty much more than Chris Paul, to be honest with you. Um, that's that's just my opinion. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But again, after I'm thinking about it, the fit, you know, that's the word like, does this fit? You know, Chris Paul, you know, Steph Curry. But again, when you as much respect, y'all know that I have for Steve Kerr. Um, this is uh, this is one of those situations to where um, it's a wait and see, because automatically now that I think about it, the top of the dome, it, it's not or I should say after I've slept on it, it's not a it's not one of those natural fit like a glove. It's kind of more like, you know. How can I compare it to? It's more of like OJ standing in the courtroom and being like, hey, Johnny, can you fit that? I I can't get it on. Hey, look, it doesn't fit. It's one of those tough try to fits. But I think more than anything, this is about money. This is about dumping cheese because that new luxury tax is going. It's the Golden State rule. That's what I label it. It is the Golden State rule. I don't know the owner of the the name of the owner off the top of my head. It's his rule because he was stunting too much. I'll pay that for championships. But it came to the point, and again, the NBA is trying to make this more fair and balanced. Everything they try to do is to help the smaller markets like San Antonio, Indiana, you know, places like that. Every changes the NFL does. It's about helping the offense. How do we score more? How do we keep people? You know, this is a fantasy football league era we're living in. That's my opinion, the difference between those two. Um, but, however, keeping it moving, um, anything that I missed, though, before we move NBA draft, I mean, excuse me, trade-wise, anything come down today? Are we still pretty much at the same the way we were before? Well, I mean, today we're at, you know, Exhibit 10 contracts and undrafted free agent contracts and, and, and the like. But interesting, one of the interesting moves yesterday that did happen, you know, towards the top of the draft um, was Dallas was involved in two different moves. Uh, first, they traded away Davis Bertans, um, the Latvian laser. You know, Spurs fans down here will remember, you know, he... There was a campaign to try to get him into the three-point contest. Mm-hmm. He ends up leaving, up, upset, You know, goes out to Washington, ends up finding his way over to Dallas. Shoots a crazy amount of three-point uh, attempts. Uh, he's a, about a 40% guy. Um, but they moved Davis Bertans to the Thunder, uh, moving you know in a 10-12 in and 12 swap. And then Dallas added Rashawn Holmes... Uh, who you'll remember uh, from the bubble, 
violated COVID policy and had to be removed from the bubble. He's from the is Kings. That, is that the one that left or snuck a woman, a, girl, a chick in on the bubble, or he left the bubble for his, or something? What, I think he had a, left for food or something. Okay. I don't know if it was. Yeah. I, I remember there was somebody who okay. brought in a woman. Okay. Um, but then Dallas, you know, acquired Rashawn Holmes last night. So I like Rashawn Holmes, but the, that's an interesting move when you start talk, looking at the um, the Sacramento Kings piece. And you're moving a player from that you know wild run of last year. Um, I, I like the addition for for Dallas. I think is an interesting one. Um, and where did they send Bertons to? Bertons is with Oklahoma City now, with the Thunder now. Whether he stays there or not, and maybe buyouts and everything. I would love Bertons with this team. No, you but wouldn't. What do you mean? No, I no, wouldn't. You wouldn't. Why? First of all, it wouldn't happen because I think he—I think it wasn't really good terms that he left on uh, because he felt like he wasn't being utilized, right? But uh, I'm sorry, Jonas. I mean, this team does need shooters. Uh, they really have basically been horrible at three for shooter. Why do you think it wouldn't – I mean, there's no need to get in a big debate because it's not happening, but why wouldn't I? Why didn't he fit with this team? Because you want to develop the shooters, the shooters that are down here. Uh, you, I feel like you you don't want to take the ball out of Devin Vassell's hands. Wemby's going to play on the perimeter some. Um, that's where he wants to play. He said he wants. He doesn't want to just be a down in the paint five um, or four. If you you looking at a forward spot, so I, I, Jeremy Sohan's going to be a, a floor spacing four. Uh, Kelvin Johnson's still going to shoot his threes. So I, I feel like what you'd probably have to pay for Bertans. Um, I, I, we've gone down the Bryn Forbes, Marco Bellinelli three-point specialist thing. This team doesn't need that. Yeah, but Bar- but you got But where you got to understand when you say Bellinelli, first of all, look at the age of Bellinelli at that time um, when when he was there. Um, I forgot who you talked. The reason why I think is because first of all, I don't think Bertans is a guy that's going to demand the ball. Bertans is going to be a situation to where he can fit in a role. Uh, he's not one of those vets that would be a dominating uh, figure, uh, personality-wise, in the locker room. Uh, but that's my opinion. But there's no need to get in debate because it's not going to happen. Because, like I said, I, they didn't leave, he didn't leave on good terms. I, and, and that was one of those that I thought Pop handcuffed him, to be honest with you. I mean, Berton's a guy to create his own shot, this and this. And the one time, what happened? The one time Berton's expressed his frustration during a magazine interview, uh, I don't even know where it was. Next thing you know, he was out here on the next thing smoking in the next probably that offseason a few weeks because he, he questioned where he, the way he was being used. And to be honest with you, so I disagree with you a little bit on that, but it doesn't matter because I don't think he's coming back. But I take him in open arms because I think he would fit. Uh, good with this team. They need all the shoot. They need three point shooting. And but the one point you do, well, I'll kind of side a little bit on you. And where I don't think necessarily it stunts the growth. Because if anything about the veterans, the reason why I'm saying I don't need them to try to go spend money to give money to Van Fleet and do all that kind of stuff is because to the point where the locker room culture, the dominating figures like a Van Fleet that has a title, uh, you know, whoever you want to talk about, those guys, those are the ones that I feel that is in a situation where because of the Wimby effect, I wouldn't do that. Bertans, he's been here before. He slide right in. He's not a guy that's going to demand the ball or not. But anyway, we can move on. Uh, let's go to the pigskin a little bit uh, as we uh, take a break from the NBA. Uh, a couple things that I wanted to touch on uh, in the NFL in regards to, first of all, let's talk about Dak Prescott because I wanted to get to this yesterday. Uh, but Dak Prescott, uh, you know, a couple days ago came out and said that, hey, you know, he believes the rookie cor- uh, the rookie running back out of uh, TCU, okay, uh, was, was, what's my man's name, Vaughn, right? 
Uh, I think it was Kansas State. Kansas State, uh, I'm sorry. Kansas State. Deuce Vaughn. Uh, he said that he thinks he contribute right away. He thinks he can add on and contribute right away. Um, and the reason why I'm bringing this up, because, you know, there's there's been this notion out here that Dak is so hurt that Zeke is no longer on the team. And when I hear this, and even in that same quote, Dak's like, oh, hey, man, I want the best for Zeke or whatever happens to him. But it sounds like to me through some early OTAs, uh, Dak has found himself uh, a new uh, traveling partner possibly, okay? Um, but I think, you know, to me, when he says, the, again, I don't have their depth chart of running backs on the top of my dome, um, but I will tell you this. Uh, the, how much workload Vaughn's going to have, in my opinion, is going to really depend on the recovery efforts from Tony Pollard. Because uh, keep in mind, in that – playoff game in San Francisco, Tony Pollard suffered an injury, uh, pretty much a significant injury. And of course, you know, since you're moving on from Zeke for financial reasons and Pollard's this guy, because I think Jerry, didn't Jerry still go in and reward him with a contract anyway, even after the injury this offseason, uh, I think? They tagged him. Or tagged him? Franchise okay, tag. Okay, so he's going to make that 10.1. Yeah, I, I think it just depends on Vaughn's production and pretty much, uh, you know, his his activity is really going to pretty much, I believe, come down to how how they bring Tony Pollard back. How you know how fast or how? And I would think if the smart thing, if you're Dallas and their staff, is that you really want to kind of bring Tony back slowly because a lot of Tony Pollard's game and the reason why Dallas, in my opinion, the reason why Dallas fans fell in love with him uh, and everybody thinking Zeke just had a horrible year is because of Tony Pollard's explosion, his his, his explosiveness off his speed, being able to hit the holes, being able to go ahead and have that home run play. And when you're coming off this type of injury, you've got to go ahead and proceed with caution with that. So maybe Vaughn gets some carries early on. You know, I told you this is a league right now where you really got to have two to three good backs. Um, and they've got to serve maybe at least all can do the similar things. But maybe you've got one that serves a little bit better purpose. Maybe one's a run blocking, better run blocking, to, uh, you know, running back. Whereas, you know, if you call a pass play, you know, you can pick up the blitz. I think that's one thing that gets – uh, that Zeke didn't get enough credit for. And I think that's one of those that is, you know, if Zeke doesn't find his way back to this team on a, uh, you know, dollar, the Dollar Tree general discount type of contract, they are going to miss a little bit of that. They are, I think they are going to miss in regards to, you know, a guy like Zeke that could basically in the passing game fall back and be able to block and pick up that blitz, you know, coming down right down the middle on Dak. But the whole point of bringing this topic up is that Dak sounds like he's conditioned in his head. He might have to move on. He's going to maybe have to move on. But, hey, they're just out there. And speaking of running backs, man, um, I'm only bringing this guy up because he's really been banned from this show. And the only reason why I'm bringing him up is because it goes along the topics that we've been talking about on this show about the running back position. But Melvin Gordon – Okay. Oh, gosh. Fumbling mail. He says, hey, man, and this is a guy that's sitting in the streets, too. He's not signed. He's not on with anybody. And, and I, that's why I wonder, like, if you really want to make this comment. But he said, hey, the running back position is the worst position in the NFL right now to play. There was somebody on this show maybe about a week ago that started saying, hey, if you – if you see an NFL running back out there, give him a hug. Because I knew something was going on the way they'd be treated. Jonas's attitude is screw him. It's, it's a different era. Who cares? Move on. I'm telling you that it's this is – I can't remember a position group at any time 
that has had guys from different teams speak this loudly about being disrespected. When you say it's the worst position in the NFL to play right now, and trust me, it's all about financial. It's all about financial. But also, I'm looking at, well, Melvin's a little bit long in the tooth, a little bit. He's got some miles on him. And um, I know damn well that, you know, when we look at the running backs that are still available, you can't tell me in any scenario of any type of team that Melvin Gordon should be coming off the block or coming off the shelf before a Kareem Hunt, uh, before Dalvin Cook. Uh, Hell, even probably before Zeke Elliott at that point. Um, and it's just it just goes to the light. And I think once we get to camp in about another three to half, four weeks, this topic is going to heat up. It's going to heat up when we get to camp and you might have some guys that are still out there not signed. But when we start having injuries in camp from running backs and stuff, you know, I, I heard Kareem Hunt say the other day, he said, hey, man, I'm patient. I'm being patient in this. And I think number two, I'm like Kareem Hunt, he took care of his money. And number two. Kareem Hunt said, man, I thought I was going to be out of this league for good, you know, when the incidents happened in Kansas City. So but he says he's remaining patient, but it's just been so quiet. I mean, so quiet. I mean, Austin Eckler still ain't got his money. Barkley, I think he didn't show up to the he I don't think he showed up to the mandatory many and he still ain't signed his franchise tag, by the way. But I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. His deadline's coming up like, I think it's like the 15th of July or something like that. Uh, we're probably about two weeks out, two and a half weeks out for his deadline to make a choice. Like, hey, you either, you either sign that tenure, that tag, or you're going to have to sit out and basically take the bullets of the fines and stuff. Uh, but again, it just brings more light uh, to the running back position. And if, if, they, if it wasn't as important – as I believe it is to the game of winning a championship, a Super Bowl, or being a well-balanced team. And if they were all dime a dozen, I wouldn't even be fighting for them because usually I get accused of wearing the owner's hat more than for the players. But it just, I mean, Walter Payton rolling around in his grave, the way running backs are getting treated right now. You know, it is just what it is. But also, what else do we got going on? Um, speaking of that, this is what I wanted to get into because we ran out of time because we've been basically heavy on the NBA scene. Um, we have a situation where I want to look at this pro football talk, top 25 pro football talk situation of coaches, of coaches. I, and again, I'm going to let Jonas read this out because I haven't looked at all the lists. I'm eager to see where certain you know coaches fall, and I'll give you my opinion who I think is just too high, and we'll dissect where Pro Football Talk has the 2023 NFL coaches where they have them ranked. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's. Get a dose. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. 
Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. 